It's Wednesday, September 18th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Asylum seekers showed up to courts along the U.S.-Mexico border for immigration hearings this week. But these courtrooms were actually tents and shipping containers. We'll explain the immigration policy that could make this the new normal at the border. Then, the chairman of the Federal Reserve announced another interest rate cut today. We'll explain why that matters. And finally, a word from Merriam-Webster. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by John Hancock. They have over 150 years of financial expertise to help you plan for the future. We have 10 minutes to give you the news. The most complicated story today is about immigration courts at the U.S.-Mexico border, where the U.S. has begun a new pop-up legal process for asylum seekers. Instead of courtrooms, think plastic tents and shipping containers. This may sound like a version of Fire Festival, but it's actually part of a bigger Trump administration immigration policy called MPP, short for Migrant Protection Protocols. And some lawyers are ringing alarm bells about what these new protocols mean for conditions on the ground. So today we're going to get into why this is happening, what the Trump administration is saying about it, and why some are saying it's a problem. Okay, so in January, the Trump administration unveiled this new MPP policy. Under the old policy, asylum seekers would stay in the U.S. while they wait for their court date. But Trump has said that people cheat the system, that they know their asylum claims will be rejected, but they apply anyways, make new lives in the U.S., skip their court dates, and just stay put. Here he was last year. Court process will take years sometimes for them to attend. Well, we're not releasing them into our country any longer. They'll wait for long periods of time. The administration's new policy, MPP, forces certain asylum seekers to remain in Mexico instead of waiting for their court dates in the U.S. Since taking effect, 42,000 people have been sent back to Mexico to wait and told to return to the border for their hearings at a later date. For those who remained in Mexico, we got a look this week at how their immigration hearings are going down. Instead of telling migrants to show up to a courtroom somewhere in the U.S., they're bringing the courtrooms closer to them, just over the border. Starting last week, asylum seekers were told to show up to certain border crossings in Texas for their immigration hearings. The hearings are happening on the U.S. side of the border, with plastic tents serving as courtrooms and shipping containers reportedly being used as waiting rooms or a place to meet with your lawyer, if you have one. Those aren't the only new things. Turns out the immigration judges are more than 100 miles away and are calling in via video conference. Since these tent courts are closed to the public and the media, we've had to rely on lawyers telling us what's going on there. And according to several accounts, the hearings aren't going well. First, a lot of these asylum seekers don't have lawyers, which can make getting asylum protection really hard. One study found that 99% of people waiting in Mexico don't have lawyers. And that could be because some of the Mexican towns asylum seekers are staying in are poor and really unsafe. One Mexican state where asylum seekers are waiting, Tamaulipas, is under a level four travel warning from the U.S. State Department. The same warning the U.S. gives to some war zones like Syria or Afghanistan. One reporter for Texas Monthly who visited the border city of Matamoros found asylum seekers sleeping in shifts outside in the street, 
to make sure children don't leave and, quote, become prey for kidnappers. So is this going to be the new normal at the southern border? Some immigration lawyers say it better not be, that it's really hard to hire an American lawyer in these Mexican border cities, which is important given how complex the rules for these hearings can be. On top of that, asylum seekers are reportedly being told to bring multiple copies of legal forms, which can be hard to get when you're living on the street in Matamoros. Then they say, imagine pleading for your family's protection while the video feed in your tent courtroom cuts in and out. Meanwhile, the Trump administration isn't sweating things. Some top officials visited a tent court in Laredo, Texas this week and were reportedly pleased that the hearing process could now take months instead of years. And one immigration judge said the tent courts could save the U.S. government a lot of money. In terms of the safety concerns for people waiting in Mexico, the acting head of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, basically said, that's Mexico's problem. What happens on the Mexican side of the border, we communicate with Mexico about all the time. Um, And obviously, we we make adjustments to facilitate both flow and safety. Um, But it's not our territory. So there's only so much we can do on that side. So what's the skim? New pop-up immigration courts are up and running at the southern border, part of a Trump administration plan to keep asylum seekers out of the U.S. while they wait for their immigration hearings and to bring the hearings closer to them. The Trump administration says it has legal standing to enforce this new policy and that the tents will make the process more efficient. Even as some immigration lawyers say the whole process falls far short of acceptable legal standards and puts vulnerable people at risk. Like a lot of immigration policies, the one that's led to these tents, MPP, is being fought in federal court. So this probably won't be the last time you hear about this. Coming up, big news from the Federal Reserve, even if it doesn't sound like much. After the break. Every day we make a million plans. A plan for how to pay that next bill, a plan for how to stay on budget this month. But sometimes too many plans means we forget to plan for what actually comes next. Like your future home, building a family, or retirement. There are a lot of unknowns. At The Skim, we know. John Hancock does too. So we're partnering to help with the decisions you have to make every day. So it's easier to live smarter, plan smarter, figure it out, and face the future. Whatever that looks like for you. Go to theskim.com forward slash future to learn more. Today, the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, announced that the Fed is cutting interest rates by, brace yourself, a quarter of a percentage point. We took this step to help keep the U.S. economy strong in the face of some notable developments and to provide insurance against ongoing risks. Yes, it's a little dry. But the thing to keep in mind is it's the Fed's job to regulate banks and keep the economy stable. And one way it does that is by controlling interest rates. Sometimes they'll cut interest rates. So banks, in turn, lower borrowing rates for customers, who can then spend more money and boost the economy. The Fed already cut interest rates less than two months ago. For the first time in over a decade, you know, since the financial crisis. Now, it's doing it again. So, why is the Fed making these cuts? Not to be dramatic, but the U.S. is on a recession watch. Don't get us wrong, the economy is still doing okay right now. The U.S.'s unemployment rate is historically low, and people are still going shopping and spending money. So, win-win. Here's the lose part. 
The Fed sees uncertainty in global markets and U.S. trade policies. Global economic growth has been slowing down, and the U.S. trade war with China isn't helping. And uncertainty makes economists nervous. When Powell made that first interest rate cut back in July, he said it was simply taking preventative measures. And he seemed to imply that he won't be doing this again for a while. But he did leave the door open to make more cuts in the future. Which is what happened today. He cut interest rates again as a kind of economic booster shot. And left the door open again for more cuts in the future. Sometimes the path ahead is... Um is clear and sometimes uh, less so. So we're going to be looking carefully meeting by meeting uh, at, at uh, the full range of information and we're going to assess the appropriate stance of policy as we go. And as I, as I said, we, um, we will act as appropriate to sustain expansion. The reactions are mixed. One person who's been really pushing for another cut is President Trump. He wants the Fed to bring interest rates down even more, to zero. And he's been really bugging Powell about it. He's tweeted that Powell is an enemy and compared him to a golfer who can't putt. Ouch. To be clear, Trump nominated Powell for his job, but he can't force Powell's hand. And while Powell did make a cut today, it wasn't the zero Trump asked for. Meanwhile, some economists are scratching their heads. They say that lowering rates too much could actually hurt the economy because lower interest rates can stifle competition and productivity, and that the Fed should hold off on more cuts until it really needs to make them. Other economists say this cut is not nearly enough to balance out the potential economic damage from the trade war with China. After today's announcement, the markets dropped, but they rebounded by the end of the day. The Nasdaq was down a tenth of a percentage point from yesterday, but the Dow and S&P 500 were each up by about that much. To learn more about what interest rates are and how they affect your wallet, head over to theskim.com money. Since 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg sailed across the Atlantic from the United Kingdom to New York last month, she's been keeping herself pretty busy. Oh, and previously we've been saying Toonberg. It's actually Toonberry. Our apologies. So while she's been here, she was interviewed on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Please welcome to The Daily Show, Greta Toonberry. She shared a fist bump with Barack Obama. You and me were a team, huh? Yes. Do you know about fist bumping? Do you believe in fist bumping? (laughs) And today, she testified on Capitol Hill before a joint house committee on how young people are helping fight climate change. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to the scientists. And I want you to put unite behind the science. And then I want you to take real action. So instead of giving long intro remarks, she brought along the IPCC Special Report on Global Warming. That's a huge report by nearly 100 authors from 40 countries that was essentially a how-to guide on tackling climate change at a global level. Next up on Toonberry's agenda, leading a massive global climate strike on Friday, which is taking place in 150 countries. Then next week, remarks before the United Nations. So, you know, no big deal. For more on the climate crisis, check out our guides at theskim.com guides.
Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from your dictionary. Yesterday, Merriam-Webster got a makeover and added 533 new definitions to its dictionary. But one of the new definitions is for a word that isn't so new. It's for the word they. Merriam-Webster used to say they just refers to a group of people. But now, Merriam-Webster says they can be used to describe a single person whose gender is non-binary. Lots of people have already been making this move in real life. But grammatically, Merriam-Webster now says it's on board. And that in fact the word they has been used as a singular pronoun since the 1300s. So, about time. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening, and we'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review. Also, we want to give you a heads up about our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. In this week's special episode, our co-founders and CEOs, Carly and Danielle, sat down with the two New York Times reporters who broke the Harvey Weinstein story, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. They talk about how their investigation came together, the intimidation tactics Cantor and Tui faced from the Weinstein team, and what happened after they hit publish. Listen to the powerful story on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.